0: All right, all right. Let's get into our word. How many you ready to conclude the long shots? What's been the name of the series we've been in? What's it called? Long shots. We're looking at ordinary people who did extraordinary things in the Bible. Ordinary people who did extraordinary things. And for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. Alongside my beautiful wife, Joanna, we have the privilege of pastoring this church. And this is here. if you're here for the first time, I just want to say welcome. So glad you're here. We're happy that you're here. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, Let's jump in. Let's go to the book of Matthew. And we're going to read from chapter 21. Uh, Not only are we concluding this series of long shots, but this is the day throughout Christendom where we celebrate what is called Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter where if we look to the scriptures, that's the day that Jesus comes into the city of Jerusalem to celebrate the uh, Passover. He's coming into Jerusalem riding a donkey, all right? Kind of an underwhelming entry into Jerusalem. And so what I wanna do is marry this conclusion of the long shots with this story of the triumphal entry, okay, Palm Sunday. So let's read together. Matthew 21, verses one through 11 as they approached jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the mount of olives jesus sent two disciples he said to them go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her untie them and bring them to me if anyone says anything to you this is kind of funny he's like telling them i want you to go jack a donkey and a colt okay <laughs> and he says if anyone says anything to you tell them the lord needs them and he will send them right away This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed him. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on the donkey and the colt for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. For the next few moments, Lighthouse, I want to talk to you on this thought. Don't miss the extraordinary. Don't miss the the extraordinary. Hey, I'd love it if you'd pray with me one more time before we're seated. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your presence that is here. We thank you, Father, because from the moment we've arrived, we felt you. You've been moving in our service. You've been stirring our hearts through the worship. And now, God, I just pray that you would allow us to receive your word. We open up our hearts and our minds to receive everything that you have for us today. I pray, God, that as I speak to this room, that you would speak individually, that you would deposit something unique to every person in this room That exact, that is exactly what they need to hear right now. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, Lighthouse, and you may be seated. Speaking of the NFL, said no one. How many remember that Minnesota Miracle? How many you remember the Minnesota Miracle? It only—I mean, it's recent, guys. This isn't old information, okay? I'm not referencing the '60s. I'm talking about like 2018, and it's called the Minnesota Miracle. Bear with me, women, on the NFL example and the intro here. But the Minnesota Miracle was a game in the playoffs played between the New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. Now, the New Orleans Saints were the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl that year. I mean, this was their year. And um, uh, none other than a former Charger quarterback was going to lead them to the Super Bowl in typical Charger fashion. Sorry. So Drew Brees was a quarterback. I know. I I, I didn't do that in the first service. You're getting it at 11. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pray for your pastor. He's still healing. Um... (laughs) So Drew Brees, you know, he had led the team. They're now winning 24 to 23. Guys, there's 10 seconds left. This game is, like, over. And I was watching this game. I was like, man, they're moving on. Good for Drew Brees. Good for the New Orleans Saints. I turned off the television at that point in time, and I went upstairs getting ready to go to bed. Now, now later, later, I found out that the Saints lost. I'm mean, wait a second. There was 10 seconds left. The Vikings had the ball, but they also had 61 yards to get to the end zone. What? happened and how many of y'all remember that play it was a little 22 yard pass from the minnesota qb to the vikings wide receiver and the saints uh defense made the worst possible attempt at a tackle and next thing you know that vikings receiver has a clear path to the end zone i'll never forget thinking man i missed an epic finish To the end of the game. I know I'm not alone. There had to be some other guys that with 10 seconds left thought, man, this game is over. But I missed something truly extraordinary. Thank God for Sports Center and replay, right? Modern technology. I got a chance to see what I missed. But they call it the Minnesota miracle because no one saw that happening. And in this story that we're going to talk about today, and as we conclude the long shots, we're talking about something else that was extraordinary that a lot of people missed. And that's when Jesus comes into Jerusalem, riding on the back of a donkey, a lot of people missed it. So before I dive into my content, let me just propose something to you. This is like my working thesis right here. Okay. We've been in this series called the long shots and how God will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. But let me ask you something. If God touches something that is ordinary, is it still ordinary? If an extraordinary God, if the creator of heaven and earth, if the, if the creator of the universe touches something that is seemingly ordinary, is it still ordinary? I would submit that the minute God touches it, it's now extraordinary. I would submit that God doesn't touch anything and it remains ordinary. When God touches something, it now becomes Extraordinary. Now, now the problem is, and Pastor Phil was talking about growing up in church, I happened to grow up in the same church with Pastor Phil. So, you know, when he was sleeping under the pews, I was like right next to him sleeping on the other pew over there, okay? And so, like, we grew up in church, and, and while that was a great thing, it can also be a problem because what happens is for those of us that have been around church our whole lives, what is extraordinary starts to feel ordinary, and, 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 and the things that we used to look at and think, wow, that is incredible. Like you see enough of that and you start to take it for granted. You see enough of that and the extraordinary starts to feel very ordinary. The things that God does, which are never ordinary, you start to just take them for granted. They, they, they normalize. But the problem is, is when you normalize the extraordinary, when you begin to normalize what God is doing, you really miss the significance of those moments and and so church i want to get us back to this place that when we see god and when we see him move we don't take it for granted but but we still see the hand of our sovereign god at work because how many know that god still moves oh i'm gonna ask that again because i was hoping for a better response how do you know that god still moves can't sleep on those moments. And so I'm going to hit you with three things on how we miss the extraordinary. So, so, so number one, how do we mix extraordinary? Write this down. False expectations. We miss the extraordinary because we have false expectations. Somebody say expectations. I don't know if you know this, but expectations are at the root of your happiness. You don't mean for it, but it's there. If you have high, high expectations, And if things don't deliver, what happens? You're disappointed because you set the bar so high. So like when you're going out on that first day, praise the Lord, and you know, it's like you you just thought it was going to be extraordinary. And if it's rather ordinary, chances are you're like, "Eh, he's forgettable. Don't think there's a second one coming because you had these expectations. You had these expectations that were so, so high. What you need is you need a little bit of MJ in you. And you're like, what in the world is he talking about? I'm Michael Jordan. I'm talking about MJ from Spider-Man No Way Home. <laughs> Why the reference? Because I have kids. I have a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a 12-year-old. They love Spider-Man, okay? So I'm that dad that all of my references, they come from the MCU now. But uh, MJ has this line in the movie where she says, if you expect disappointment, then you'll never really be disappointed. <laughs> now, I'm not saying that's where I want you to live. I think that can be a little dark, but like it, there's some truth there to it, right? Where she's like, you know what? I don't get all excited and get my expectations too high because, man, then I deal with a lot of disappointment. And, and, and what I want to now work with is I want to know what is setting your expectations, Because I don't want to just talk to your expectations. I want to address what's setting your expectations because we got to deal with that. That's the root cause. Your expectations are being set by something. So what is it? Our expectations, write this down, are shaped by what we are seeing and what we are hearing. And so I think culture has a way of setting our expectations. Culture is what's all around us. It's, what's we're, it's what we are seeing and it's what we are hearing. And what the problem with that is oftentimes culture is not aligned with God. Right. And we have these expectations that are set by culture and not by God. Yeah. We have expectations that are being set by culture and are not being set by his word. Yeah. All right, here's the punchline. God is faithful to his word and not your expectations. I know you want him to be faithful to your expectations, but that's not how it works. He's faithful to his word, both what is written here and what he says to you in quiet. Jesus, God has never been obligated to make you happy, especially when your happiness is tied to an expectation that he doesn't have for you. So so let's apply that to the word right here. Jesus comes in to Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey. Now, there's two responses here, right? You have one crowd, and they are losing their mind, right? They're, They're throwing their coats on the road. They're cutting down palm branches. They're throwing them on the road. That's why we call it Palm Sunday because the palm branches that were thrown on the road. It got really Loud. This was the fun group. You know what I mean? Um, How many know what I'm talking about when I reference the fun group? I remember sometimes I'd go to like uh, Disneyland or Magic Mountain and I was having fun with my friends. But you ever go and saw a group that was having like a lot of fun? Like loud? Like, like they're just like having a lot of fun. Sometimes i be with my friends. And I'm like, man, I want to join that group over there. They look like they're having way more fun than us. Um, but anyway, uh, so there was one group that was loud and rowdy. And, and, and they were so excited. The Bible says they were yelling, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. But then the Bible says there was another group. And these were the Pharisees. These were the Sadducees. These were the religious scholars. And they were in their feelings. Like they were mad like mad mad, like, like toddler mad. How many know toddler mad is at a whole other level? Like, like toddler mad is a degree of mad where you can't really do what you want to do because they're toddlers. Like you're like ready to just end their life, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you're like, oh, I can't do that. Um, oh, sorry, that was just me. So, so you know, this group they, they were like toddler mad. All right. So they were mad that Jesus was coming in and they were mad at the way people were responding. But here's the reason why two groups, two expectations, two different experiences. Well, one group, while they were waiting for the Messiah to come and they both wanted the Messiah to come, they didn't want him coming on the back of a donkey. Their expectation was that Jesus would come in on the back of a stallion. You know what I mean? Like he would come in in a chariot. Or maybe he would come in like on a throne, on a little platform, that there are arms of people that are just carrying them in. And he'd come in like those old school movies you see. Like that's what they wanted Jesus the Messiah to come in like. And that's not how he came. He came in on the back of a donkey. Somebody say, Expectations. They did not expect the Messiah to call his disciples from fishermen. Like, like, like you know, Jesus' disciples were fishermen. And so that rubbed them the wrong way. You want to know what else rubbed them the wrong way? He was a friend of sinners. That, 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 that's a reason why throughout the New Testament, the religious folks had a big issue with Jesus. Because he was friends with people that they thought, you shouldn't be friends with them. What the religious people wanted is they wanted someone to come. They wanted a Messiah to come and validate their religiousness. And instead, Jesus rebuked them. Yeah. Jesus said, you guys look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Yeah. And, and, and so they had the wrong expectations. And while we look at this and we think, you know, shame on them. They, they should have known better. You know, we do this a lot to God, too. We do this a lot to God, too, because we think he's supposed to hear and answer every one of our prayers. But if those prayers are not in alignment with his word and if those prayers are not in alignment with his will, he's not obligated to answer your prayers. I I, I know we think that he's our genie in the sky and at the mere mention of what we need or what we want or what we think is in our best interest. He's going to do it, but that's not how this works. He's a sovereign God. And and yeah, he's going to hear you when you pray, but his answer will always be in alignment with his will and with his word. And he's not obligated to fulfill your expectations. He is faithful, though, to his word. He, he is faithful to the plans that he has for you. And, and, and so the Pharisees, they had this expectation. And, and, and we too, we have our own expectations with Jesus. So don't sleep on this lighthouse church, okay? Don't sleep on this. We, do we pray out to God? Absolutely. But is he obligated to answer every one of your prayers to make you happy? Not if it's not in line with his word and with his will. And so we have got to get on the side of his word and with his will, that, that's where we've got to be. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay, so that's number one. Number two, what's the second way? What's the second way that we miss the extraordinary? Write this down, misinformation. We miss the extraordinary because of misinformation. Somebody say misinformation. I think that one of the reasons that the church has had a very hard time post-2020 and how many know what I'm talking about when I'm saying that the church has been going through some stuff in the last two years? I mean, we've seen pastors that are just no longer leading large churches. There's been moral failure. There's been churches that have been kind of losing their way. There's been a lot that has happened. There's been a shaking up of the church over the last few years. Now, now the reason I think that there has been such a shake up in the church is because of misinformation. We 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 have a misinformation problem What I mean by that is there is so much biblical illiteracy in the church We know how to have church, but we don't know how to read our Bible We like to come to church on Sunday, but we don't like to read our Bible Monday through Saturday And so we have a biblically illiterate church and the minute the, the minute that we had to shut down our worship services A lot of people just didn't know how to survive People just didn't come back to church because they ne- it was never about God to begin with. It was about the church. And hear me, I love the church. But the church is not a replacement for a relationship with God. It supplements your relationship with God. It should be a part of your rhythm. It's a part of your discipleship. It's what it means to follow Jesus, but it's no replacement for Jesus. You have got to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And the problem is, we have a church that has, we have a lot of people in the church today that have a relationship with the church, or they have a relationship with their favorite Instagram preacher, but they really don't have a relationship with their word of God. Just the other day, just the other day, I was listening, um, I, I, the, the, I was on Instagram and going through stories, and a sponsored ad came in. And, and, and Lighthouse Family, let me tell you, this was a well done ad. It was a it was a sermon clip of like their of their pastor preaching. And man, he preached good. He preached really good. It was produced well. I mean, the creative stuff that they had on the screen, I was like, dude, I need to hire your graphics guy. He's really good. You know, like everything was well produced. The video was well produced, and um, he was doing a series. Um, called woke church I thought clever okay we're kind of playing on people's feelings and emotions go for it preacher I ain't mad at you so he's preaching this whole message on woke church but then he made this statement and here's what happens we believe everything we're hearing on Instagram without actually checking the text ourselves, and we consume that stuff as if it's truth but he made this statement about woke church and he was saying the problem with the church being so woke is we're involving ourselves in social justice and and the church should not be involved with that and I was like hmm And then he said this, this is what really got me to, to really got me to like, yo man, we got to go check our theology. He made this statement. He said, we get one little verse on the Bible on justice and we try to make a movement around it. And he coincidentally read the verse that we sang about where it talks about justice rolling down like a river. And he quoted that verse and he says, we take one little verse on justice and we get all wrapped around it. And I'm like, Yo, pastor, you realize there's a lot more verses on justice in the Bible than just that one verse. And and, and and because your pastor's weird, I wanted to find out just how much the Bible talks about justice. That's how provoked I was. I don't know if you do this. But listen, I don't be just taking stuff at face value. I'm like, mm, you, you know, yeah the devil is alive you know was like I'm gonna go find out for myself so the word justice is mentioned 28 times in the Bible 28 times the word just which is tied to justice and the concept of justice is in the Bible 94 times so pastor the Bible actually talks about justice and being just 122 times in the Bible You can't just say the Bible talks about justice in one verse because people consume that and think he knows what he's talking about. Why? Because he's got good graphics. He dresses cooler than me. You know what I mean? And he's got like, he's got production that's off off the church. You can't just buy into that lighthouse church. And this is why as your pastor, hear me well. If there is one thing I am able to accomplish before I die or resign or whatever is I want for this church to be a biblical literate church. Why do you think we started the college? I I want for you to know your Bible for yourself. I want for you to know the Word of God for yourself. It's it's not enough to come to a church where you hear me preaching and yet you don't know the word of God for yourself. I would hope that sometimes I would say something that would make you want to go home, open up your Bible and discover the truth for yourself. Because we cannot have another pandemic happen and the church not meet again. And all of these people are dropping like flies and they are not faithful to God anymore because they had no relationship with their word. You have got to have a relationship with this lighthouse. You've, it all comes back to the word of God. And, and so the, the, the solution to misinformation, this is your next note. The solution to misinformation is not more information. The solution to misinformation is truth. Somebody say truth. It's not more information. More information doesn't correct misinformation. The solution to misinformation is Truth, and we know that the truth is found here. Jesus said it this way I am the truth, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am life. And so, the only way that we are going to be able to process misinformation is to have the truth of God's word deep inside of us. Can I get a good amen, Lighthouse Church? We have got to get the truth on the inside. of us. And this is the reason why I say not more information, because sometimes you get you get information that though it might be right, it's not truth. For example, for example, here at Lighthouse Church, we happen to believe that God can heal every single one of our sicknesses. I thought I'd get a bigger amen at that. I, I, I said we believe one of the truths that we believe is that by his stripes we are healed. And, and, be, and because that is truth, let me tell you how information works. The doctor might give you some information that you're sick, but how many of you know that that's not the end result? You got to go to God first because if God says, nah, I know they said you're sick right now, but I can heal you and I can do what medicine can't do and I can do what the doctors can't do and you can miraculously walk free and delivered out of that sickness because truth says you're healed. So so you get sometimes some bad information. Sometimes you have misinformation. But solution is not more information. It's getting to the truth. I mean, just recently, we had a father come and talk to me. And he said, you know, I've got this diagnosis from the doctor, but I believe that God is a healer. We began to pray together. We began to believe together. And then just later, a few days later, he texted me back. We just heard back from the doctor. Everything is okay. What we saw before is no longer there because God is a healer. That's truth. That's truth. So how do we handle misinformation? We go to the truth. Jesus is our truth. Jesus is truth personified. And that's why for every new person, let me, let me just help you right here. If, if you're feeling like, okay, I got to get in my word. Where do I begin? Don't begin in Leviticus. Start with Jesus. Start with Luke. Go on to Acts. Come back to Matthew, Mark, and John. You got to go back to Jesus because the point of it all is Jesus anyway. Y'all know that all of our gospel points to him, right? You know that everything points to Jesus. You know that everything takes us back to him and it leads us back to him. So how do we know truth? Start by looking at truth personified. Start by looking at Jesus. I said, how many know that Jesus is truth? Jesus is truth. So we, we go to him. We we, we go to him, and that is our solution for misinformation. And what's crazy about this story is this. Let's go back to Palm Sunday. Let's talk about Jesus riding in on a donkey. They were all like, oh, my God, this is not the way he should come. We thought the Messiah should come on a stallion. We thought the Messiah should come on a chariot. But Zechariah 9.9, written in the Old Testament, listen, the religious people, they knew their law, but they still missed it. The religious people, they knew the prophets and they knew wisdom literature, and yet they still missed it. Zechariah 9.9 says this about the Messiah. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. So what am I saying with all this lighthouse church? Is the Old Testament said he'd come on a donkey. And when he came in on a donkey, the Pharisees were like, why isn't he on a chariot? Well, because the word said he wasn't going to come in on a chariot. If you are faithful to the word, if you are faithful to truth, you won't miss when God does the extraordinary. You're not going to miss it because you've got a relationship with your word. And the Pharisees missed what should have been abundantly clear to them because their expectations were different than the word. And God is faithful to his word, not your expectations. All right, let me wrap this up. Let me get to the next one here. The last thing how do we miss the extraordinary? Last point, write down a broken value system. A broken value system. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens our values are all messed up. I asked this question on social media. And I thank everyone that took a moment to reply. You guys are part of my social experiment. You didn't even know it. Now you'll never reply to any of my questions. (laughs) No, but but I love the feedback. I asked, is fulfillment found on the other side of experiencing more or doing more? And people were saying, experience, doing. The operative word was more. That was the actual word that I wanted you to focus on. Because here's the deal. So many of us put so much value on more experiences. If I just go to enough places, if I go on enough vacations, I want to see enough of the world. And here's the deal. You will die before you see all the world. You you can't do it all. You can't do it all. And, and, And so if you think your fulfillment is on the other side of doing, I'm sorry, on the other side of experiencing more, you'll never experience enough to give you the fulfillment that you need. How many of you have ever experienced something and it was like, it was on your bucket list and then you experienced it and then what do you do when you get back home? Now I need to go here, right? <laughs> and so like all the focus is on going there and then it's over there. Now I need to go here and then everything goes there and then I asked about doing more because there's just people that love to be productive. Where are all my productive people at? Where are my people that love to be productive? Yeah. You, you, how many of you like a good to-do list? Yeah, if, if you had to write a list of things that you loved, lists would be at the top of your list. Like, I love lists. Love it. <laughs> There's this feeling of accomplishment of like checking, like got it done, right? Got that done. So, so, so we, have this sense of, we have this sense of fulfillment. But here's the deal. And, and they tell you this when you start working, especially when you start working with people that are a little older than you. They say, hey, hey Tiger, slow down at work here. You know what happens if you get your work done real fast, right? They give you more work. and so the more you try to be productive at some point you can never be productive enough and and the minute you think I've done enough then you want to do more so so you cannot tie fulfillment to experiencing more and I'm coming to a close now to experiencing more or doing more because you can never do enough At at some point, you have to align yourself and you have to get to this place where you realize that I can't overlook what is happening now for what I want to do or experience tomorrow. And what will happen is you will sacrifice the present on the expectations that tomorrow will be better. What if I told you, Lighthouse Church, that today is your gift, not tomorrow? I mean, Jesus said it this way. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. That's wisdom literature, right? And so, and, and so listen to me, Lighthouse Church. Too many of you don't see the importance of the ordinary and the extraordinary that is found in the ordinary. Now, now, when you look at Jesus, this is what I love about Jesus. This is my last thing I'm going to ask you to write down. Jesus was always busy, but he was never in a hurry. Jesus was always busy. He was never in a hurry. Never in a hurry. You never see Jesus bored. You never see Jesus not doing something, but at the same time, he was never in a hurry. He lived a very filled life, but he was never in a hurry. And when you're always looking for more, the next experience, the next thing to do, you will start to fall into this trap of a lifestyle of hurriedness that robs your soul of contentment. And and rather than embracing the moments and the gifts that you, are, that you have right in front of you, you're constantly looking to more and what's next and where to go and what to do, and it'll rob you of the moments that God has given you right now. Jesus was busy, but never in a hurry. Do you remember when Jairus came to Jesus and said, Jesus, my daughter is sick. She's about to die. Would you please come to my house and heal her? Jesus said, let's go. Let's go, right? But here's what happened. Jesus is making his way over to where she's at. And when he makes his way over to where she's at, a a woman with the issue of blood comes and touches the hem of his garment. And when she touches the hem of his garment, Jesus stops in his tracks. He's like, whoa, 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 hold on a second. Somebody touched me. And the disciples are like, hold on, Jesus. There's a lot of people around you. There's a lot of people touching you. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. Somebody with faith touched me because I felt virtue leaving my body. Now, he stops because he's Jesus. He's busy. And he takes care of this woman. Now, Jairus is over like, would you come already? My daughter's going to die if you don't get there. we got to go. But, but Jesus is never in a hurry. He's, he's busy. Well, he ain't in a hurry. He, he takes care of this woman in that moment. He heals her. He deals with her condition. And then he goes to J. Iris's house. And her daughter's healed just like this woman is healed because he's busy. But he's never in a hurry. And listen to me, Lighthouse Church. Every time I start a sermon... I think those of you that have been here, you know, there's always going to be a story at the beginning of my sermon, right? I'm going to do it. I'm going to get some humor. I figure if I can get you to laugh, I can get you to listen. So I do that very intentionally. And 90% of the time, I'm talking about my family. 90% 90% of the time, I'm talking about my childhood experiences. 90% of the time, I'm talking about, like, like Joanna, the boys. She don't love it. She's got this, we got this little running joke. Every time I, I bring her in as an opening example, she adds something to the cart on Amazon. It's like, I got to, like, pay to play. You know what I mean? It's like, so she'll joke around and say, add to cart. She's probably adding something at this very moment because I mentioned that she adds something to the cart. Totally worth it. Um, so... I started picking on my dad because I looked at my bank account and so I'll picking on my dad. I'm just kidding. So, so I started giving all of these stories now about my dad. And my wife actually said, I love how you're talking about your dad now. I love how you're talking about your family. You're not talking about us no more. And then my dad said something. He said, all of these stories that you start to recall about our childhood, they're about the moments that I don't remember. You see... My dad would take us on these big family vacations. My dad would give us these big moments. My dad would invest in all of these big memories. But 90% of the time, I'm up here talking about ordinary stories because that's what I remember most. I remember the stuff that might have been seemingly insignificant, but they were significant to me. My dad thought it was just another day, but that day mattered a lot. And here I am at 41 years old talking about these very ordinary days. And and it was a lesson to me that I shouldn't look over these ordinary days with my children because one day they're going to look back and that's going to be an extraordinary day for them. <laughs> talking about your values right now Lighthouse Church. And 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 why I talk about more experiences and more doing is when you're doing when you are looking to the next big thing you overlook the present and you overlook the moment. Do you want to know what your kids are going to remember more? They're going to remember how you react when they come home and they didn't get the test grade you wanted for them. They're going to remember that. They're going to remember how you made them feel when they brought a friend home. They're going to remember how you made them feel after their team lost a game. These things that you think are insignificant, your kids are going to remember them. Why? Because it's not just an ordinary moment. It's extraordinary to them. These are the memories that they're going to hang on to. So listen to me, parents. The reason I'm saying this is I want you to embrace your dinners. I want you to embrace your sporting events. I want you to embrace what you think is little, mom and dad. Yeah, go on that big family vacation. Do it. I'm not saying don't do it. Do it. Have a good time. But don't forget about the simple and the small and the ordinary because your kids are watching, and it's extraordinary to them. Now, now I didn't come to preach to you and give you family advice, okay? Let me talk about that in the spiritual, and I'm coming to a close with this. In the same way that your kids are seeing and watching the ordinary and turning that into the extraordinary, this is how we respond to our Heavenly Father. Because our Heavenly Father dwells in the ordinary. you, You think He doesn't care about that family dinner? He cares more than you know. Because he's present. He's there. And I believe God is trying to fill your life with extraordinary moments. But you could miss it for, for misinformation, false expectations. You can miss it because your values aren't in alignment with his values. So when we get those things fixed, we'll begin to see God in the everyday. And what seems ordinary is now extraordinary because you are seeing it in the presence of of your Savior. Come on, let's clap our hands all over this place, Lighthouse Church. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet right now. And I just want us to lean in in this moment right now, this seemingly ordinary moment, this this seemingly ordinary altar call, just the end of another service, just just the, the end of another Sunday. But this can be an extraordinary moment for you, Lighthouse Church. This can be a moment where God gets a hold of you in a supernatural way. This can be a way, this can be a moment that God gets a hold of you and begins to realign some things in your life. He can begin to realign some priorities right now. So would you lift your hands right now and let's just ask God to have his way in our hearts right now. Come on, let's lift our hands all over this place and let's have a conversation with our Father. I want you to give him permission to reorganize some things in your life. God, I step out of the way and I allow you to reset some in me father i allow you to reorganize the upholstery in my life god i allow you lord god to step into my heart and change some things around there's some things that are broken there's some things that are out of place there's some things that i'm chasing that that you're not in it god would i never miss the extraordinary in these moments of the ordinary come on hops. let's worship together Come on right there. Just keep on praying. Keep talking to your father as our worship team leads us right now. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.